Welcome to Myth Take. Ta-ta for now. No, no, no. We're just getting fired up. Episode 13. Yes, episode 13. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. I can't it. believe it. We've been away for a while. Yeah, things got a little chaotic. Um, it was an unintentional hiatus, but we are back now. And we are back with episode 13 and our final stop on our mythological tour of the solar system. And our stop is Ceres. Ceres. Oh, we should introduce ourselves. Yes, Always I'm forgetting that. And I'm Allison. And we have a with Facebook Darren page. With an I. We have a you, Facebook page. We have a Facebook page now. Myth Take Facebook page. It's available for you to uh, have a look at. Like, like share, share, post subscribe, things. kick it around. We'll have to put a picture of us up on there. <laughs> Never. No, uh, no podcast Twitter account. So just use the hashtag Myth Take for now. Yeah. Um, I don't have the time to take on another another Twitter account. We don't want to do that, anyways. So we're just going to stick with good old Facebook because every, yeah. everybody's got Facebook, or almost everybody's got Facebook. Oh, that's Twitter. Yeah. At Darren Sundstrom, at uh, Innes Allison. Yeah. That's all you need. Or message on Facebook. Myth there you take. go. All right. So that is our exciting news. And so for episode 13, um, our final stop on this mythological tour of the solar system. Right. It's back to the future. Certainly not the last... Flyover. So yeah, okay. I didn't get that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we went really far out to Pluto, and now we've got to go back, basically, oh, okay. to the space between... What is the asteroid of what? The asteroid uh, between Mars and Jupiter, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah so, okay. You know, so, so we're going back. <laughs> we're just kind of like shrinking in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Going back. So I, we should have done this way back when, but yeah. we, I wasn't really that aware of Sirius, to be honest. And, and rightly so. Nobody knows about. I didn't. Yeah. I just referred to it as a, well. I knew it only as an asteroid, not as a dwarf planet. This whole well, classification system is something that yeah. I think is a little right. It's a little. Well, this is the whole. The, thing that we talked about with Pluto as well. Yeah. You're going to categorize stuff. you got to draw lines somewhere. Yeah. And somebody's going to be on one side of the line. For and today, someone's going to be on the other side. Yeah, I know. But they, move, so, they keep moving the line. Well, they last moved, <laughs> when they moved the line for Pluto, so what, 2006, yeah. I think? That's when they decided to categorize Ceres as a dwarf planet. Yeah, you, you know, said recategorization. I like that term. Yeah. I like demotion, though, because it implies that they did something. But Ceres got promoted they then. They devalued from the basic, it. They did. Then yeah, Ceres got asteroid. promoted from an asteroidal body to a dwarf planet. Because Ceres is more like Pluto than it is like asteroids in the asteroid belt. Sure. So it's it's, a, it's, it's bigger and it's different. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how different. NASA doesn't devote as much of their website to Ceres as it does to the other planets. Well, now, now <laughs> it's our time for our, our, our hard scientific data. Okay. So hit us so, with some science, Allison. Spotted by Giuseppe Piazza in 1801. I can't do an Italian accent. He Sorry. just did. It was magnificent. Okay. Only dwarf planet in the inner solar system, and as we mentioned, it's in that asteroid belt um, between Mars and Jupiter. Yeah. Uh, first visited by spacecraft Dawn in 2015. Wow, there's a... And thing. as we mentioned, Dawn, again... Like Dawn takes Greece out of the way, like D-A-W-N? Yep. Oh, okay. Um, classified as a dwarf planet in 2006. Uh-huh. So the day on Ceres is pretty sweet. If it's a Friday, uh, get right. no, it, I short get it day. Yeah, okay. I like Nine. Fridays, though. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. Is that because you want to get it That's over because the to weekend. get to Saturday? That's because the weekend's Exactly. That's uh, I know, the but it was starts. so short. That, oh, okay, okay, never mind. That's a anyway. philosophical discussion. Keep yeah. going. Science, science. Science. Yeah. So a day on series is nine hours, the shortest day in the solar system. Holy Lord. 
The year is 1682 Earth days, or 4.6 years. And the radius, the series is pretty small. It's only one thirteenth the size of Earth. Uh, yeah. Um, I bet you that's still pretty good size yeah. though, compared to the moon, maybe. Yeah. No moons. Sirius doesn't have any moons. Well, I mean, like our moon. But I know, but I'm just... Oh, I'm, that was a science, segue. Science, that was a segue. <laughs> yeah. So, if the Earth were a nickel, Sirius would be the size of a poppy seed. Nice. No, I can picture that. Yeah, nice yeah. and tiny. Yeah. Um, astronomical units, if you remember what those are. Yeah, AUs. Okay, They're two point... distance from the Earth to the Sun. Yes. So, Sirius is 2.8 AU from the Sun. Nice. You wouldn't happen to have the data on how far Pluto was and how many AUs that was. Maybe compare, oh. compare the two, right? To get an idea of the scope of the, of the situation. Of the solar system? Let's see. It's just, it's just Pluto asking was, a lot. Pluto, how many AUs? Pluto was 49.3 see, AU. 49, and this yeah. one's only two-something. So she's yeah, close. Yeah, three. She's yeah. close. She's only, you know, just it's, us and another out, right? So us and almost two more us's out. Oh, okay. So what's yeah. it at? 2.8. Oh, two, okay, yeah. It's almost three. Okay, yeah. so. Sunlight takes 22 minutes to reach Ceres. There are no seasons. Um, and interestingly, its rotation, the axis of its rotation, is only four degrees off yeah. of vertical. So um, we get seasons on Earth because of our, yeah. I don't know, science. and science. Yeah. The axis and the, yes. all of that kind of stuff. Yes, yes. Ceres doesn't have that, so no seasons. No atmosphere either, really, to make it no, work. No, no, no. But still, you know. Okay, anyway. Considered an embryonic planet, oh, like the theory term. is that Jupiter's strong gravitational field got in the way from it developing into a planet itself. Boom! Blame Jupiter. The structure of Sirius mythologically of import as well too. Yes, Jupiter has yes. a great deal of influence yes. over Ceres. Yes, and Ceres, of course. Greek Demeter is who we'll be looking at today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, structure of Ceres is very similar to the terrestrial planets. Um, but mine it. I say we get up there and mine the sucker dry. Right? But it's much less dense. Oh, okay. Um, solid, it has a solid core. Uh, it's got a mantle of water ice. Uh-huh. Um, it's Can we mine it? Possibly... I don't know. I, I, I took these notes so long ago. I like don't even iron understand. And nickel. It's probably iron and nickel. All asteroids are like iron and nickel. I'm not quite Frozen. sure what my note here is about. Something mm -hmm. about possibly 25% H2O. Yeah, that's More right. percent than Earth. Oh, okay. Or so more, I, no, more. Well, I can't hear you. Greater. Let me put that in front of the microphone. So I don't know. I can't read my note, but there's yeah. something about Earth and modern H2O. Right. I bet you it has <laughs> a higher percentage of water in its core than Earth does. Maybe. Maybe that's what yeah, my note means. That's what okay. I would say. And I would guess that that would be the sort of... Uh, We're planetary, just making planetary, now. <laughs> planetary science behind it. And there you go. Don't quote me on that. That um, sounds reasonable, though, doesn't it? See, it sounds sure, reasonable. Yeah. Sure, sure. Nice. Um, Ceres is covered in small, young craters. It has... Mm -hmm. a, we said it had no atmosphere. That was wrong. That's it actually right. has a thin oh, atmosphere. Damn. Thin atmosphere. Okay. Possibly containing water vapor. Oh, vapor. Which yeah. could get us all excited about, are there microbes? But there's a big question mm. mark beside that. Thin? No moons. Is that even less than trace? Yeah, okay, no moons. Yeah, we I said don't know. That. It just said thin. It, yeah, didn't, okay. it didn't give details. Got it. No moons, no rings, and no magnetosphere. So no northern lights on, uh, on Ceres. Yeah, no so it's not protected no magnetic by that. qualities of any kind. When it was initially spotted in 1801, it was assumed to be a planet. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
there were three other objects in the asteroid belt which were also thought to be planets at the time. Pallas, and they, they were named Pallas, Juno, and Vesta. There you go. Um, Pallas, of course, <laughs> Athena, Juno, Hera, and Vesta, Hestia. But, of course, the women get kicked out of the patriarchal naming system. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, because I think other than Venus, all the other planets are ma- uh, males, right? Sure. Yeah, I think Venus is the only uh, one named after female. Anyway, what that's... about Earth? That, well, yeah, but we skipped her. Oh. Um, so, anyway, that's a little, little aside. Um, by 1860, they had discovered a total of 62 bodies in the asteroid belt, and they were like, maybe these aren't all planets. Um, so, in 1863, they were all reclassified as asteroids. So, Ceres went from being a planet to being an asteroid, and then back to being a dwarf planet in 2006 because of its similarity with Pluto. Wow. Um, it's the first dwarf planet orbited by spacecraft, and I think I already said the only one inside, in, in the inner solar system. Wow. So that's our science. That was your science. And we just yeah. discovered another dwarf planet, for like, well, a while ago, but they just released it. It's called uh, UZ-266. Mm. It doesn't have a name yet. There's one called Eris, really too. It's out, it's out beyond, player, it's out, out beyond yes. Pluto. Yes, yeah. It's on its yeah. way to the Cupier Belt. We're finding more and more of them because... Apparently, we've been looking for dark matter, so it's been helpful in our search for extraterrestrial there are bodies. There are more plant, more dwarf planets than just Pluto and Ceres, but they're the only two that we're going to look at. Yeah. Um, Eris, um, goddess of strife, we don't really have any passages about her to really talk about her, aside from her mention. In, in Zeus the puts her in the earth. There's, that. there's not really a strife. lot. Strife. Good strife, bad strife. He's here. Rose golden apple, which is probably an orange. There's, eh, yeah. there's not a lot to talk yeah. about. So, Ceres, a.k.a. Demeter, we have the Homeric hymn to Demeter. That's in the works and days, I think. Yeah. Hmm? No, it was the strife thing. Oh, strife. Oh, okay. I think I said theogony. But. Yeah. <clears throat> our listeners can leave a message on our Facebook page if mm-hmm. we get it wrong. So, this now we're looking at Demeter. Hymn to Demeter, yes. And so Ceres, serial. Yeah, ooh, yes, that's yep, right. Full of cereal. Association with grain. Yep, association with grain, yeah. You should be drinking beer tonight instead of wine. No, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> so we have looked already a little bit at the Homeric hymn to Demeter when we looked at Hades. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the four longest Homeric hymns. And so we're going to focus on some different chunks of it today. And that was your job to come up with the chunks. So did you have... Any chunks in mind? Uh, no, I thought you had the chunks oh, in mind. Oh, okay. Well, I do have some chunks oh, in mind, okay. actually. So um, I can... Uh... It's, it's, it's one of the longer hymns, like you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, it deals with some very serious subject matter, and it's fairly dramatic and has a very powerful narrative. But uh, a great deal, you know, you can learn a great deal from Demeter. You can learn a great deal about, about Demeter and Persephone, right, that are in mm-hmm. it. And also, you know, the Olympian order and all kinds of interesting things that are going on. Zeus, for example, he's not even in it, but you learn a great deal about Zeus. Yeah. You know, his absence is suspicious. So. Okay, what do you got so our first passage um, is going to come from fairly early in the hymn. Mm-hmm. And this is after what we talked about um, with oh, yeah. Persephone's abduction. Mm-hmm. And Demeter has uh, realized that Persephone is gone. And, yes. Well, because this oh. hymn did make its way into our podcast on Pluto, yeah. where we read a section, the only direct speech by Hades. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to uh, start with line 90. 
But a more terrible and savage grief came into Demeter's heart. Then, angered at the dark-clouded son of Kronos, she avoided the assembly of the gods and lofty Olympus, and went among the cities of men and their rich fields, softening her form for a long while. No one of men and of deep-girded women recognized her when they looked at her, until she came to the house of, the, of thoughtful Kelios, who at that time was the lord of fragrant Ulysses. And she sat grieving in her dear heart near the road by the Parthenian well, whence the citizens were accustomed to draw water, in, in the shade where an olive bush grew above it. She looked like a very old woman, one excluded from childbearing and the gifts of garland-loving Aphrodite, as are the nurses for the children of law-giving kings and the housekeepers in their echoing homes. Kapow. There you go. That's, there it is. Demeter comes to earth. Demeter. Yeah. Demeter comes some to earth. Some people say it one way, some people say it the I other way. Demeter. I was always taught Demeter, so that's yeah. what I tend to stick with. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this passage, um, I guess in some ways it's maybe a little bit of an unusual passage to choose, but I thought it would be really interesting to talk about how Persephone's abduction, how the loss of her child, how Demeter's loss of her child transforms Demeter and her reaction um, to it mm -hmm. and the involvement of humans um, yeah. in this story that are going to come right after this. Yeah, we don't. This is the this is this withdrawal section of the story pattern from the wrath withdrawal and return story pattern. If you want to pick yeah. that story pattern paradigm, so it's wrath and withdrawal. We've already had <laughs> wrath, right? Uh, yeah. Happened previous to this. Now she knows what's you know what's going on, and she's been forced to contemplate the sort of something that no goddess or god, for that matter, has ever been forced to contemplate: an actual death, mm -hmm. a loss of of a, of a loved one, uh, as real as that can be. Right, because you know they're ageless and immortal gods, of course, who cannot die. But we know the tradition: once someone is taken to the underworld, they do not return. <coughs> Excuse me. And there's also the other layer of marriage as a social death, um, where in the ideal elite uh, Greek household, that when a woman was married, she went to live with her husband and her husband's family. Marriage is a social death because by living with her husband's family, she is not going to see her family um, anymore. The ideal, um, and again, we're talking about the ideal elite circumstances, um, so this wasn't necessarily how everyone um, lived, but she would maybe see her, uh, her mother or um, her family on um, important festivals. But uh, the Greeks... You're talking about patrilocation. Yeah. 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 So, um, so the Greeks, the Greek woman, um, again, in the elite, uh, the ideal elite, uh, the ideal for the elites, uh, would be at home so, and within the home and not out in public. Um, so, so in that way, marriage is, is a sort of... Symbolic uh, death. A, a, a symbolic death there yeah. as well. Yeah, it can be seen as that. There's lots of scholars that look at it through that paradigm, um, but we don't really know a great deal. Well, okay, we know a fair amount about it. Patrilocation is a practice. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, they go and they live with the, the new mother-in-law and the new, their new husband and the new family and so on, right? Mm -hmm. And they separate away from their family, and from you're, you're giving up a daughter, and you know how it works out, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that, that, could be, that could be reflected in this hymn. Yeah, that could be reflected in this section of the myth as well. Yeah. 
Um, and so, as as you mentioned, we've got the wrath and withdrawal um, yeah. theme going on here. And in the passage that yeah, I just well, read, um, angered at the dark clouded sun of Kronos. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's explicit that she's angry. She's, and she's her, been fingered. Helios let the, Helios told him right. Helios told him exactly who's responsible. She didn't know at first. She looked. She was upset. She finds people who are willing to help in the form of Hecate and form of Helios in some regard. And he immediately, and she immediately learns who's responsible, right? Her husband and brother, Zeus. And Helios, of, um, of course, being the son, he sees everything, and um, he doesn't understand Demeter's grief no. um, over the over the loss of her child, because all he sees is that Persephone's made a very good marriage, sure, because she's married the lord of the underworld. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't. Um, that doesn't mitigate Demeter's grief at all, uh, because she knows what it means that to just makes be her sent more to Hades. Off, to be frank, yeah. because this means that a non-Olympian god like Helios, for example, knows the intimate sort of relationships and negotiations, the arrangements that Zeus has made for her daughter uh, and uh, Hades between her daughter and Hades, and she knows none of it. It's like you know your next door neighbor making arrangements for your son's wedding when you don't know he even wants to get married. You're going to get upset. So yeah. she's upset because she's been cut out of the loop of communication. And, and Zeus has dishonored her by making these sort of plans without her consent or regard. And you know the way the two of them are in myth, right? Demeter and Persephone are side by side. They're constantly in, in each other's company and to the point where they're referred to as like the maiden and the mother or just simply as the two goddesses. They know who they are. This, they call it a holy dyad, right? It's the first group of two. So whenever you see in these figures of a maiden and, a, and a, another goddess figure, a mother figure, you know right away that you're looking at Demeter and her daughter Persephone, right? Ceres and Proserpina in the Roman side of things. And the interesting thing here is that the reaction to her anger is to withdraw from the gods. Yeah. But it's not just that she withdraws withdraws from the gods, but she goes to the mortal world. Yeah, she comes to Earth. So something to always think about here is why does she choose to go among the mortals? Uh -huh. And why does she disguise herself the way she does? Absolutely. Right? Because mythology is filled with gods visiting men and women. Right? And you might say, well, what makes this episode any different from any of those innumerable others? So tell us. Well, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners aren't going to respond right away, so other, other, tell us. Other than, you know, it, well, it serves the narrative and the point that, mm -hmm. that she, she has to leave one place to show her disdain and go to another. And she doesn't just go to, you know, another section in the divine realm. She chooses to come to, to earth, to come to the realm of men. And the decision is deliberate. <clears throat> because uh, we honor her. And in the ancient world, Demeter is extremely, extremely important. Um, we lose, in the modern world, we lose our connection with food, right? But um, in the ancient world, your connection with food, your livelihood, your existence, uh, is tied to Demeter and your ability to feed yourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and myth is filled with, uh, with descriptions of mortals being described as empty bellies or eaters of bread. And so where do we get these things from? We get them from agriculture. We get them from Demeter. We get them from plant life. And this is what Demeter's timai is. This is her honor. 
because it's what defines her sphere of influence, the, the vegetal force, right, that sustenance that grows. Yes, it's wheat. Of course it's wheat. But it's more than that, right? Yeah. You need to have something to focus on. But it's, it's all things that grow, that we harvest, that we cultivate, that we eat to sustain our bodies, right? And the other aspect that's also important about her going among the mortals is that she has experienced something that the, that, uh, that the other immortals have not. And she has experienced loss and grief. And yeah. she finds compassion among the mortals. And um, She will. She, yeah, yeah, she will yeah. Um, in the next part, which I'm not going to read. Right. But when you read the hymn, what comes yes. after this is that yes. um, the mortal daughters of uh, Kelius Kelly. yeah. yeah, meet her at the well and take pity on her. And that is not the... It's in this section still. We still have to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and that is not the reaction that, that she got from, from the gods. So there's, no. so there's there's a significance of her going to the mortals. Yeah, we pay a lot of attention to she, her. Because we pay attention to her, yeah. but we have empathy and we can understand yeah. and, have, and, and have compassion with what she's been through, whereas the other gods don't care. Ultimately, yes. But in the beginning, that doesn't inform her first decision to come here, I would say. Because they, she hasn't yet to experience that, so she doesn't know it. It's an alien quality. Like, she will come here because we pay a lot of attention to her, right? Uh, but her transformation from a beautiful goddess into an old crone signifies her dishonor at the hands of Zeus and the other immortals. It's like, Zeus is guilty, yes, but all the other ones are guilty, too. Because when you look back at the beginning and it says that she asked, she asked them all for help and, and information about who abducted her daughter or who took her daughter or what happened. And none of them said anything. Mm -hmm. Right, Zeus was the only one who was absent from Mount Olympus at the time of the abduction, but the other ones were there and in a position to heal and to help, to hear and to help. But they did not. So and, they and well, Hecate is her. the only one, a non-Olympian goddess. Yeah, right. Non and Helios, a non-Olympian goddess. And Hecate, a Chthonic yeah. goddess. A Chthonic goddess yeah. as well. Yes. Yeah. And so the and and a and a and a, a woman, mm -hmm. right? Like Sophocles says, the natural ally of a woman is another woman. She. She uh, automatically right, cleaves to this other woman for protection and assistance. And it makes sense logically, right? Like, that, that would work. And they are a community of gender. And I like to look at this one, this play in, in, from a gender conflict paradigm, mostly. But it is extremely fascinating. So she, she turns her back on condemnation from her community of gods, which are primarily male, and comes back to, comes to Earth, right? And they're all guilty by association. And on Earth, she finds a community and of women. She finds a community of women, and she comes to the well, right? She transforms herself into that third and final life stage, right? Her, her, her and outward appearance mirrors her sort of psychology because she's lost a child, right? Yeah, and that's, and that's something really important to, to understand is that she reach. has, by Persephone <clears throat> moving from being the maid into the wife, yes. that forces uh, Demeter yeah. to yeah. move from being the mother to... The old crone, yeah. the old woman, who the old woman, and nursemaid. This her. idea yeah. of a god disguising themselves and coming among mortals—it's called theoxony. Happens theoxony. happens lots yeah. in 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 myth. Uh -huh. um, and what was it? Oh, where was I going with that idea? It happens a lot, uh -huh. and, yeah. and and these are always these these moments of of wandering gods or goddesses, and the theoxony are. are a very powerful narrative. So there's some. It signals that something's going to happen. It's they, they don't just you're not they're not just going out for a beer. You know, like no. there's, a, there's a big reason. I remember now mm -hmm. where I was going with that. Mm -hmm. um, so 
So her transformation reflects the change in her status. Yes. Um, the loss of her status mm -hmm. from at the hands of her husband. And yes. Mm -hmm. And as well, um, the loss of her fertility. Yes. So don't forget that there's that that underlying current. She represents fertility, fer fertility yeah. of the earth, fertility of grains and plants and, specifically. And, and Persephone is the embodiment of that. Yes. And so by losing Persephone, mm -hmm. she um, loses, loses that fer fertility. She's an old woman yeah. who is no longer able to give birth. Mm -hmm. That section of nomos, that section of power, that share of power and authority that she received as an Olympian goddess from Zeus has been revoked. Mm -hmm. Right? So... Um, Zeus has visited a great dishonor upon her and, um, by by arranging this situation, and it's it's it's, it's we can't overstate the idea that this is like this is a death because mm -hmm. it's not just like being married to some strange man somewhere that you know, you'll never be able to see your parents again. That's sort of like the human thing that we're talking about, but on the mythological level. This this idea of Persephone is gone. Yes, you know what I mean. Like she's not coming back. She's not coming back, and that's as close as a, a to a, a death that mm -hmm. a god will ever will ever get, right? So now Demeter is forced to live in a world where no, at least in a in a in a, in a psychic way, in a mental way, in a world where no other god has lived before. The the idea to kind of contemplate death. Mm -hmm. That's why she's mm -hmm. here on Earth because yeah. this is the world of death, mm -hmm. right? We are in the midst of it. So, um, and uh, as well here, her own barrenness and her own infertility foreshadows yeah. what's going to happen later yeah. um, in the poem where she causes a famine on, yeah. on, on the earth in her anger. And that, that's a great point because cause Demeter, Demeter and the earth are so tied, right? You're seeing that connection, right? So she is affected by it and affects it. Their relationship is symbiotic in many ways. Mm -hmm. And even her decision, of course, she softens her appearance, it says, and comes here. She comes to Eleusis, which is a, a, a massive area, fertile area, right? And will ultimately be more important. But she chooses to come to the well. And the well, well, and is, the a well is a powerful, natural place, though. Yeah, it's a very um, powerful mythological symbol for connection with the Chthonic world, the connection with the earth. Maybe it signals the, the opportunity to um, communicate with that. Right, and we see we see echoes of wells in other myths, even in yeah. the Epic of Gilgamesh, for example. Mm -hmm. Gilgamesh uh, stops and cries at a well after he loses the plant of immortality. And they're also a social place. That 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 um, this is this is a place where people are going to come and gather because water is a sure. necessity of life. Yeah, um, and so that so this is how. Um, she meets mm -hmm. the daughters of Pelias when they come to collect water at the well. Yeah. And they take pity. Women go women. to the well. Women, women and slaves go to the well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, uh, yes, definitely a, a woman. Um, a woman One of the very few yeah. places that you're allowed to kind of walk about, yeah. right? Yeah. For the most part, you're home. So they are um, collecting water to take it to take it home to their father's palace, and they meet Demeter and they question her, "Who are you? We haven't seen you around." Yeah, you know. Um, I love those two daughters; they're hilarious. I think I, I'm trying to remember Kalidike. I like because yeah. Kalidike has the best line that's repeated later on in the play. But I, I, I like I like what she has to say, and it's a very sort of important kind of signifier to the. Subtext to the whole play, a play. I keep calling it a play. Well, I should because the narrative is is extensive, 
complex and quite, you know, serious. So in response to their questions, Demeter tells a false a false story about who she is. She doesn't, sure. um, she's cagey. Yeah, she tells a little lie. She's got yes. it all figured out. Yeah. So she tells them that she's from Crete yep. and Doso, she's been carried off by pirates. Her yep. name's Doso. Yeah. Yep. And um, that she it's a great, great got lie. away secretly. It's it's a great yeah. little story. And so now she's wandering around here. She doesn't know where Perfectly she credible. is or or who lives here. <clears throat> yep. Um, Explains everything. Yeah. You got a parallel to that? And then she asks, well, Odysseus. Sure. Got another yeah. one? Homeric hymn to Aphrodite. Oh, yes. She immediately yes. cooks up a, a lie that answers all little, questions. All, all questions. Explains all, un, un, you know... All sudden appearances. So she asks the daughters for work. And basically the only work that an old woman um, is really good for here mm -hmm. is... Being a nurse. Being a nurse yeah. to, to, to an infant. And uh, Kavodike says... Sure. Yeah. <laughs> come, on, <laughs> come on home. Our mom, our um, mom has a child. Her, she, it's her last yeah. born child. This is son. Well, I, I, I he's, he's a miraculous exactly, baby. I, I want to read exactly what Kaladike says. She says, Dear Beyond Mother, yeah. um, we mortals endure the gifts of the gods yes. by necessity, even though we are grieved, for mm -hmm. indeed they are much stronger. That's so right there, line. that's what it means to be mortal. That's right. In Greek mythology. Yep. But I will give you this advice clearly and name the men who have great power of authority here. And then she goes on and she names a bunch. Mm -hmm. um, and, and our own brave father, who all have wives to manage affairs in the house. Not one of these women at first sight would exclude you. So that idea, again, of community. Mm -hmm. But they will receive you, for indeed you are godlike. But if you wish, wait, so we may go to our father's house and tell our mother, deep-girded Metanera, yes. of all these things in the hope that she may bid you come to our house and not search out the homes of others. Mm -hmm. Her only son is being raised in the well-built hall, born late, much prayed for, and a joy. Born late and much prayed for. If yep. you should nurse him and he should reach the measure of his youth, mm -hmm. easily would any of the tender women seeing you feel envy such payment she would give you for raising him. Absolutely. Um, you know what I find striking about that now on a reread is the notion that the... The daughters of Kelias, the daughters of Kelias and Metanera, Keladike and her sister, Urs, I'm not sure, they, they recognize the utility of, of this nursemaid, of this old woman, that, mm -hmm. there is, that there is dignity and there is utility and that there is wisdom and then there is power in old age and that you're not useless, that there is something for you to do, mm -hmm. right? And that you do have function in their society. But amongst the immortal gods, they stop aging at, like, you know, beautiful 35. And, yeah. and there is no old gods, right? Yeah. Because the idea of utility and function and, and grace and beauty in old age is beyond divine capacity. Yeah. The, you know, they don't have, we don't have those gods in our tradition, right? So she shifts into that to signify her sort of disgrace and her, her sort of dishonor. But it's only here on earth where she happens to be at this moment, that that is recognized as a quality. 
And the contrast with the daughters of Kelios really emphasizes mm-hmm. Demeter's own, um, her own transformation. Mm-hmm. The goddesses are described as like deer or heifers in the season of spring, leap along the meadow, satisfying their hearts with food. So they, holding up the folds of their lovely garments, darted along the low-lying road. You're and, talking about the daughters, yeah. And their hair mm-hmm. streamed about their shoulders like a crocus flower. Yeah. And then They're when useful. they when they come back for for Demeter mm-hmm. and take her to the house of their father, mm-hmm. Demeter is just, and this is how Demeter is described. She, Demeter, went behind with grief in her heart and her head covered, and her dark robe swirled around the goddess's slender feet. Yeah. Um, so it's it's Symbolic a real contrast, a real yes. contrast between the two. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um. It's a great spot. Yeah. It's a great <laughs> section. You know, it, 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 it encompasses both sides of the coin. It talks about children. It talks about much prayed for children. A young child, Methanera's child, Demophilon. And then it talks about the sisters, right? These young girls. And then the old nursemaid, right? And they see her, they recognize her, and they give her a job. They feel sorry for her. They feel pity for her. They sympathize with her, and they demonstrate compassio. And then they bring her home and give her a job. So I think for our next section, Mm -hmm. we are going to fast forward a little bit Mm -hmm. um, to where Demeter is taking care of Uh Demaphoon, Metanera's son, the girl's brother, the long, long, long bored son. Mm -hmm. Um, And see what happens there. Sure. How's that? It's a real shock. Mm Mm-hmm. So the splendid son of thoughtful Kelios, Demaphilon, whom well-girded Metanera bore, she nursed in the halls, and he grew like a god, not eating grain nor sucking his mother's milk. By day Demeter used to anoint him with ambrosia as if he had been born from a god, breathing on him sweetly and holding him to her bosom. But night after night she used to bury him in the force of the fire like a firebrand, in secret from his dear parents. And to them it was a great marvel how he kept growing before his time and how he had become like the gods to look at. And she would have made him ageless and immortal if well-girded Metanera in her foolishness had not watched all night long from her fragrant chamber and seen her. But she cried out and struck both thighs, afraid for her child, and blindness covered her mind. Wailing, she spoke winged words. My child Demaphoon, the stranger buries you in a great fire and brings me sorrow and wretched pain. So she spoke, weeping, and the shining goddess heard her. In anger at her, fair-wreathed Demeter, with her immortal hands, snatched from the fire the dear child whom Metanera had borne in the halls beyond her hopes, and thrust him away from her to the ground, terribly angry at her heart. in her heart. At the same time, she spoke to well-girded Metanera. Humans are foolish and without the sense to know their destiny ahead of time, when good comes or evil, and you too were hopelessly blinded by your own folly. May the oath of the gods, the pitiless water of the sticks, know that I would have made your dear child immortal and ageless all his days, and I would have granted him unfailing honor. Now there is no way for him to avoid death and a mortal fate. But unfailing honor will be his forever, because he climbed up on my knees and slept in my arms. And in due season, as the years revolve for him, the children of the Eleusinians will always wage war and bitter strife with each other all of their days. I am Demeter, holder of honor, who is the greatest help and joy to immortals and mortals. But come, let all the people build me a great temple, 
and below it an altar, beneath the Acropolis and its sheer wall overlooking the Calacoron on a jutting hill. I myself will teach my rites, so that hereafter you may propitiate my heart by performing them reverently. So speaking, the goddess changed her size and form, thrusting away old age. Beauty breathed around about and about her, and a lovely scent spread from her fragrant robes, and from the goddess's immortal skin a light shone far off, and her golden hair spread down over her shoulders, and the well-built house was filled with a bright light as if from, the, from lightning. Wow, there it is. Demeter's a blonde. Demeter's a blonde. Yes. So there's a lot. That's a bit of a lengthy passage, and there's a lot in there to unpack. In a community of brunettes, Demeter's a blonde. That's all I got from that. No, just joking. Yeah. Better not be. No. I'm relying on you so here. It's, so an, it's an excellent What's excellent going on? Piece. There's a lot going on in that scene. Help us Help us understand this scene. Well, at the, at the beginning, you, you, you saw, or you heard, anyways, you know, um, Demeter working as a nursemaid, trying to... And being doing it very well, being an excellent nursemaid to Demophoon, um, she was going to make him into a god. Right? Why? Why, Darren? Why was... <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> into an ageless and immortal god, right? Why? Well, many scholars believe this is part of what's called the substitution formula. And in this formula, Demeter now realizes and has accepted that Persephone is gone. And for all intents and purposes, dead, uh, never to return to the side of her mother. So she uh, attempts to substitute that daughter, right, with uh, another, a mortal male, who she will make into an immortal god. Is that the only reason she might have done this? <laughs> no, there are a few others. I can't remember what. Oh, 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 I'm testing oh, you here. Yeah. yeah, the other one there's, was there's the. A, there's, um, there's about three. I think there's three yeah. or four different reasons why sure. why she could have done so this. And yes, one is one is the replacement, replacement or substitution. The other one is the notion that revenge. She, well, yeah, that's oh, in the okay. motivational factor, right? Because okay. of the no, no, terrible no. dishonor. Revenge to ha on Hades. Reve oh, on, yeah, on revenge yeah. on Hades. Um, for this will be a child that he will never get because yes. he's going to make him ageless and immortal. So he, uh, that one carries the least weight with me. Yeah. That's why it's a yeah. little lame in my memory. And then the other one is a rather interesting and intriguing one that um, works off a sort of a series of logic chains. And one is if Demeter can deify Demophoon, then as a human, make him into a god, <clears throat> of course that being, Demophoon, will be really happy about that and seek to pay attention to her exclusively. Then theoretically, she could do it also to another human as well, make that human ageless and immortal. And if she can make it with one, uh, make them ageless and immortal, she can do it certainly with 15 and perhaps the whole community, and then maybe the entire human race. And then the entire human race will no longer be the human race. They will be ageless and immortal beings who worship only Demeter, and all the rest of the gods of Mount Olympus will just sort of disappear into a cloud of nothingness because no one will pay attention to them anymore. And Demeter will sit on the top of her temple on Earth and be the sole focus for everyone in a great big old matriarchal party. And she will be the chief queen and she's theoretically her own Zeus for this. I call that theory the defined Zeus yes, theory. Yes, that, she's sure. that, that she's trying to take over Zeus's top job. Uh -huh. So we've... That's we've, like invert we've the cosmic order. Replace so that she's trying to replace Persephone yeah, I like with, that one. with with Mathwan. Yeah. 
and then the fourth, and then the fourth, but, but there's a oh, fourth oh, one, okay. which yeah. is, what is it? which is just straightforward compassion. That oh, yeah. she's just simply trying to show compassion Helping to the humans. Yeah, she's like, oh, and you mortals, spare, spare yeah. the human. Here's a more here's a I, mortal mother. Yeah. Who, who loves her son, but and one day that son will die. Yeah. Right. And this and way, like my daughter died. Yeah. Right. And so I will make him into a god. Right. That works for me in some level. Right. But, yeah, I don't buy that one as much. I like the first one. And I mean, I'm a, I'm of the the either either the replacement or the defined Zeus one. I think they're I think there's they don't need to be mutually exclusive. No. You know, she the, could be going for all three things at she once. She could be going for all three or all things four at things once. at once. Sure, there are many yeah. many possibilities. You know, they this is a gender conflict to start with, mm -hmm. and you know she is the type of goddess who cannot be denied and will not easily be overlooked, and she will do what she has to do. And and that idea of making this child, the Mafuan, into a god, I think works. Because it is a boy, and it will be a and god. He'll never and be he taken will away. never be taken away through marriage. He will continue to be at her side forever and ever, right? Um, That's one of, the, one of the things that I that I love about um, the Homeric Hymn to Demeter, and it really sure. is one of my favorites. Is the gender the gender nuances and the gender play totally, um, and and so it, so if you don't consider that and if you don't take into consideration right the way their gender relations change. and yeah. a, a, of how the ancient Greeks understood gender relation Absolutely. and gender roles, you yeah. miss a lot well, of the story. Before I forget my train no, of thought here, the idea is that when we look at when we when we look at this idea between. What were we just talking about again? I was trying, had a great point. What, what was it again? It was about oh, Zeus. Zeus and Rhea, for example. Mm -hmm. Rhea, as the mother, Zeus never leaves Rhea's side. Rhea responds in this story, and, and she comes down and talks to them and says, listen, you've got to get this done. Mm. She is the mother. Yeah. Right? And the mother, this is this, so the same relationship that Demeter wish, wishes to nurture or create with her and Demophilon is already evidenced in the hymn itself, and that's the relationship between Zeus and Rhea. Because Rhea's Which there. Which comes a little it later. It comes later this. at the end. She's part of the reconciliation yeah. phase. Yeah. Right? And you're like, what's Rhea got to do with it? Well, that's we'll Zeus's get there. We'll mom. Get there. That's Demeter's mom. That's almost everybody's mom. She's their great mother figure, right? It's the same thing. The mothers don't leave, right? Mm -hmm. It's the daughters that leave. So the sons have got it made. Like, Zeus has got it made because he can go to Rhea whenever he wants, and he does. Because yeah. that's the connective tissue between him and his sister wife, Demeter, right? But it works well with the Dumafuan story because that's one of the things that underline, underpin the logic of the hymn, why Demeter wants to make Dumafuan into a god, mm -hmm. right? So that she can get this connection, someone who will never leave. And this, this process of making um, somebody or something into oh, a god is called um, apotheosis. Yeah, and, it, apotheosis. And it crops, up, it crops up a lot in, in mythology. But, and yeah. and uh, fire is one way of fire. doing that. Yeah. Um, most Fire. people are familiar with Achilles being dipped in the river Styx, sure. and I, I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there are some versions of where they try to take away aspects of Achilles' mortality with fire. Maybe. I could be wrong with that one. But I know fire crops up in, in, in other myths as well. And it's that idea of burning away the mortal aspect. Yeah. Metanera um, is too curious for her own good. And, and as She's a human... Mother. 
he can't fault her. No. It's her kid, so she wants to know what's happening. Like this child what? is thriving. This child That's my question is to you. thriving in an unnatural in an unnatural manner, and she wants to know what's going on. That's it. And you really can't blame her. And she operates on human instincts. Yeah. If, some, if somebody saw you shoving not, not <laughs> shoving one of your babies, yeah. no, shoving shoving one of your babies into yeah. a fire, mm-hmm. I think you would react at least on that narrow level, if yeah. not if if not more so. Yeah. But Demeter's response is to get angry. Yeah, she breaks and the magic. It's the, magic. The magic is she broken. Metanera accidentally... It's a folk, folk tale motif. Yeah. She breaks the magic. Metanera um, accidentally breaks this, breaks spell. in on this and breaks and breaks the spell. That's a one-off. And, and Demeter tells her, humans are foolish and without the sense to know their destiny um, ahead of time. When good comes or evil. my favorite lines. And you too were hopelessly blinded by your own folly. But Absolutely. the irony there is that Demeter was also blinded by her own folly that it. she would have Persephone with her forever. forever. And ever, amen. Yep. And she doesn't. So in her fury, she's connected with Metanera, this mortal woman. Yeah. She realizes, she's upset what she's yeah. done. But when when she yells at her, of course she is upset. She's a goddess after all, right? Her plans have been dashed by the interference of this mortal woman, right? But she also so realizes she her own... Well, and she also realizes what the next step is. Yeah. And the next step is the one that pushes them to the precipice, that brings us to the edge of extinction. And if she's, if she's starting to learn about compasio, if she's starting to learn about sympathy and empathy... This is, would be the last thing she wants to do. It's like, you know when they have those ranks when you go to nuclear war? It's like DEFCON 1, yes. DEFCON 2. De- this is like DEFCON 3. Or it's like right the terror alert. All out war, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like amber alert. No, like red, red you know, red, condition yeah. red or whatever. Yeah. This is the red alert phase. But just because, just before that, you know, like, if, if this hadn't occurred, then she would this would have worked out, but it was interrupted. You, you know, by blinded by your own foolishness, by your own folly. You know, you too, like myself. Gods yeah. don't go around talking like that very often. No. Making connections with humans and saying, you foolish mortal woman, why, you like I. We're similar in that regard. And this right? is why Demeter um, and Persephone and the Eleusinian Mysteries, which we already talked a bit when mm-hmm. we talked about Persephone, why they have, um, why there's such an important religion for some of the um, ancient Greeks. They because become, yes. Be- because of compassion. Yes. And compassion, literally from the Latin, yeah. means suffering with. with. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's not... We, th- we throw around the word very lightly, I think, yeah. a lot of the time. Sure. Um, but, oh, have a little compassion. But that's what Demeter is doing here. Yeah. She, is, she has compassion now with humans because she is she is experiencing, she's experiencing the same the, kind the, of the, loss yeah. and she's getting her head the around emotional mortal world yeah yeah and yeah. feeling it you know, like, uh, yeah like, yeah like, like generally genuinely like sitting sitting there in the dust with them right yeah you know, though, to make an analogy for the star trek nerds that are out there you know when data receives the emotion chip for the first time <laughs> right he's always wanted it but he doesn't know what it is because he sees it Right? Yeah. Then he gets it, and then it's like you're in a whole new realm now. You're in a whole new world, right? Yeah. She's experiencing mortality, right? She connects with us, and we connect with her. That's why she's so popular, because she understands us, yeah. right? And we, we want gods that understand us. And she doesn't... Um, 
Well, there's a big I forget where I was going with that. There's but a anyway, big she, scene right yeah, there after yeah, that. Yeah, she gets upset. I am getting there. I that's, am getting there. That's your wrath. Yeah, Again, yeah, with your wrath. Yeah. There's usually so, a little bit of wrath. So, she, so she's, yeah. she got angry. She withdrew from the yeah. community of the gods. The, now she's now she gets angry again, yeah. and she withdraws. Us, we, yeah. yeah. And where does and she, she withdraw? withdraws from the mortal, from the mortal realm. But what I wanted to point out here is... Into her temple. Exactly. That she so, commands them to build. So what I wanted to point out here, though, mm-hmm. is um, is that she does have some promises for Demaphon and his future. Um, that he's going to have unfailing honor because yeah. of his connection with her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I, yeah. I, I like and these. People, I remember seeing reactions of people saying, oh, she just threw that baby to the ground and all that. You know, like, yeah, she did. You know? She did. It's not going to hurt him. It's not going to hurt he's, him. He, you know, he's he's he, already been sort of annealed in the fire, right? He, he's he's been partially. Yeah, he's, been, he's been beautified. Let yeah. me put it that way, right? It's a process. Yeah. She breathes on him. She rubs ambrosia on him. He, he doesn't need to eat more. He food. hasn't reached full sainthood. No, he has. But no. he's been beatified. He's been beatified. Yeah, <laughs> he's not quite yeah. distilled into divinity yeah. as of yeah. yet. But but the magic. See, yeah. it's the magic. It, this yeah. is this this one is so close. That section is so much like folktale. Yeah. You know, it's not oh, just yeah. God voodoo where they nod and things happen. There's a process that they need yeah. to go down. So a couple of lines that I really like in this mm-hmm. is what she says. Um, so she gives these promises about Demathuan, although there is going to be a lot of war and there's going to be a lot of strife for sure. the Eleusinians. Um, she says, I am Demeter, holder of honor, who is the greatest help and joy to immortals and, immor- and mortals. She, it's, it's like she remembers her own importance here and sure. i mean maybe she hasn't forgotten well she's pulling but out here, the god card but right? yeah but here she's she's standing up and instead of you know being this this angry withdrawn quiet old mm-hmm. woman here mm-hmm. she's there no i am demeter this yeah. is who i am well, and she says this is what you're gonna do you're gonna build me a temple and then we have a full epiphany so an epiphany is when the god makes himself known and sometimes they make themselves sometimes it's just like a partial epiphany like where they kind of and humans kind of wonder if there's something going on there's no wondering (laughs) this is the second one in this story so and this is the full-blown epiphany so she changes her size and form so life tip Watch out for a, for an epiphany. Yeah. If you Pro see tip. if you see these four things happening to somebody, it's already too late. They, it's already too late. <laughs> Number one, flash of light. Oh no 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 no. We're gonna go in order oh, okay. here. Okay, okay, so number one. Yeah. Size and form. If they yeah. suddenly get really tall and yeah. they f- literally fill the entire building the and head their hits head, the roof beam. head hits the roof beam, watch out. Yeah. Okay. Giant. Two. Um, a lovely scent. Oh, lovely scent. You know what the you know what the scent is? Um, just a minute. Uh, no, no, you're not oh. going to find it in. No, there. it's but more it's of an, an ambrosia? inside joke. Um, or something. Chanel number five. Oh, Chanel. No- yeah. Oh, that's too common. <laughs> that's too common. Okay, so uh, fragrance, beautiful, beautiful fragrance. fragrance. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, and then. Um, Three, they glow with an mm-hmm. inward glow, a mm-hmm. light. Um, yeah, they're they're iridescent. And from the goddess's immortal skin, a light, light shone far off. That's they right, emit yeah. life. Yeah, light. light. Sorry. Yeah. Um, bright. Wait, I've I've missed. You've missed one. the last one. Um, and probably won't say it because what happens size? to humans in the presence? Oh, right. Yes. 
and humans experience a sense of awe. So those are your four oh, things. Oh, gee, that really downgraded it. <laughs> a sense what? of awe. Yeah, it's of more awe than terror. And terror, fear. yeah, terror, yeah. fear. Okay, so if someone suddenly gets really big, and they suddenly smell like... Chanel number five. Or an unbelievable rose garden. I read a little interesting poem today that talked. I'm not done my list. I'm not done my list. And they start to glow. Yeah. And you get really scared. <laughs> you're living in a Greek myth, and it's already too late. For no, you. you're, you're in the presence <laughs> of a revealed god, and you're either ashes in a couple of seconds or time to get so, some nail diapers. So, I mean, so, so yeah, um, it's just the line after where, where I stopped reading. She went out of the house and at once met Nera's knees went slack. And for a long time, she, she remained speechless. Absolutely. So, yeah. And that's the, that's the full revealed epiphany because she's pulling out her gar, God status and saying, all right, well, now I guess I got to go down what's called the hard path. And that yeah. is causing a massive famine that is going to bring mankind to its knees. Right? Yeah. Um, she's and gonna, this is our second withdrawal. Tip her hat, yeah. right? <coughs> you were going to say something else. Well, she's withdrawing into her temple, which she commands yes. the Eleusinians to build for her. Yeah, to charge her god batteries yeah. to do the, the to do the great hard work of actively suppressing the fertility of the earth. Right? This is no. Um, uh, what is it? A lot of people say, "Oh, she was just so upset that." Things just started dying and things didn't grow. No, 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 no. no. This I'm is an active part. force. I'm going to read this part. Good, read that part. Right like, now. It's not going to be like an It's not show. through neglect. Okay. Right? It's just... They obeyed her. So the they, Eleusinians yes. obeyed her mm-hmm. at once and heeded... Her... He, uh, oh, Kelios. Kelios. Sorry. Me. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, um, Kelios takes command of, of the men. They obeyed at once and heeded his words, and the they king, built yeah. it as he had ordered, which yeah. is really as Demeter had ordered, right. and it grew by the decree of the goddess. Yep. When they had finished and quit from their toil, each man went home. But golden-haired Demeter remained sitting there. This is her house. Yeah. And this is something else She's to remember. in the remember center of the temple. That should be that, 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 um, temple, that, that Greek gods are not omnipresent. They can only really be in one place at mm-hmm. once. So anyway. But, but golden-haired Demeter remained sitting there, apart from all the bl- apart from all the blessed ones. Yeah, they stress that. Wasting away with longing for her deep-girded daughter. Yes. And she caused a most terrible caused uh, active. Yes, a most terrible and savage year for men mm-hmm. on the much nourishing land, yes. and the earth did not sprout any seed. Right. For fair reef Demeter buried for one it. year. For fair reef Demeter buried it, it, it yes. or hid it. Buried so it's an active process. Yes. Demeter is yes. deliberately not cause not allowing things to grow for one yes. year. Many curved plows did the oxen drag in the soil in vain, and much white barley fell to no avail on the earth. Planted, but and now know. she would have destroyed the whole race of mortal men with painful famine, yep. and she would have deprived the Olympians of the splendid honor of gifts and sacrifices if Zeus had not noticed and pondered in his heart. So the Zeus mortals... This, well, and this, this also points out... But this also points out that, that as far as the immortals are concerned in Uh Greek men. The Uh mortals are there to provide them gifts and sacrifices. You got it. That's what humans are supposed to do. And so Demeter has cut off Zeus's and the rest of the and the rest of the Olympians. Yep. She's cut off their their supply of sacrifices. Attention, yeah. And she has gotten Zeus's attention. Yeah. That's all it's about. So exactly yeah. 
Because she knows. She knows. This is her card. She, this is her she, Trump card. This is card. her card. This is her Trump card. God, that's a terrible word. Oh, yeah. I'm, no, I'm really sorry, guys. No, we should use that word. This is her secret weapon. This is her ace this up her sleeve. This is the ace up her sleeve. All right? Uh, she's going nuclear. This is a nuclear option. And because what it does is it exposes the Achilles heel in the God-mortal relationship. You know what it is? What is it? They need us. Exactly. And that's something only goddess would know. Yes. So, this is her plan number two, is this, is, is this famine. And as you point out, and as we've, as we've already shown here, there, it's no accident. Right. It's a deliberate plan mm -hmm. to get Zeus's attention. It works. It works. <laughs> Zeus sends embassies, and now we're starting to move into the reconciliation phase of yeah. Demeter's um, wrath withdrawal and return story. Yeah. So reconciliation and her re her reintegration mm -hmm. into the divine community. He sends Iris. Um, Iris is the rainbow. Iris is the messenger commonly associated with Hera and Zeus. Yeah. Iris comes and she asks. Demeter's not going to deal with Iris. No. No way. Um, the, the, so she's not persuaded. Yeah. And then again, the father sent one after another, all the blessed gods who are forever. Every god kept coming and offering her gifts. To gloss whatever, whatever honors she might choose among the immortals. Mm -hmm. One after one, they line up and they beg and they ask and they promised her all kinds of things mm -hmm. but nobody could pers persuade her mind or intent since she was angry in her heart she doesn't care about them it's zeus it, it, zeus is the only one who can fix this that's right he's caused it oh, he's she said demeter said she would never set foot on fragrant olympus nor sprout seed from the earth so i'm not coming back and i'm not going to let the mortals the worship you until it? she saw with her own eyes... Burn it all down. Does that sound like anybody inter else? I'm trying to read this passage. We're trying not to Go be political to here. It's the agony. <laughs> Until she saw with her own eyes her fair-faced mm -hmm. daughter. Yeah. Absolutely. So finally, Zeus sends Hermes... To go get Persephone out of Hades. Mm -hmm. We talked already about the whole pomegranate seed business. Yep. Um, the rescue. The rescue. The return. So Persephone. The reintroduction. So Persephone um, is partially returned to Demeter for part of the year. Yep. Um, and then. Um, Her sort of roles uh, are enhanced. Where do we want to skip to? In, um, well, you could you could look at uh, the very end. You could go to. Okay. Well, let me see what we got here. Um, well, the the, the return to here. Three is the re recapitulation. Right. This is this is her talking about, you know what okay. what happened to her. Right. How she was carried All off. Right. This is what she says to her mother, and we know the truth of the matter. Okay. So. We well, we we already talked about the Persephone and Persephone coming back, the little the the little white lie and, yeah. and all of that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um, before. So we won't go over that again. Okay, we'll just read the end of the um, We'll start here with line four forty then. And loud thundering, far-seeing Zeus sent them a messenger, fair-haired Rhea, to lead dark-robed Demeter among the tribes of the gods, and he promised to give her whatever honors she might choose among the immortal gods and agreed that the maiden would spend the third part of the circling year beneath the misty gloom, but two parts with her mother and the other immortals. So he spoke, and the goddess did not disobey the commands of Zeus. 
Quickly she rushed down from the peaks of Olympus and straightway came to Rarion, a life-giving fertile land before, but then not fertile at all. Instead it stood idle, completely stripped of leaves, for the white barley was hidden by the designs of fair-ankled Demeter. But afterwards it was soon to grow tall with long ears of grain as springtime came. Then in the ground rich furrows would be laden with wheat to be bound into sheaves. There first she set foot from the barren upper air. Gladly she saw they saw each other, and they rejoiced in their hearts, and Rhea of the shining veil addressed her thus. Come here, child. Loud thundering Pharisee Zeus calls you to come among the tribes of the gods, and he has promised to grant whatever honors you wish among the immortal gods. And he has agreed that your daughter would spend the third part of the circling year beneath the misty gloom, but two parts with you and the other immortals. He said it would be accomplished thus, and with his head he nodded assent. But come, child, and obey me, and do not rage too much without end at the dark-clouded son of Kronos, but make the life-giving seed grow for men at once. So she spoke, and fair-wreathed Demeter did not disobey, but at once made the seed rise up from the fertile soil. All the wide earth was laden with leaves and flowers. Then, going to the kings who give laws, she revealed to Triptolemus and Diocles, driver of horses, a mighty Eumolpos and Chelios, leader of the people, the performance of her sacred mysteries, and taught her rights to all, holy rights that are not to be transgressed or asked about or discussed, for a great reverence for the gods restrains one's speech. Blessed is he of men on earth who has seen these things, but whoever is uninitiated in the mysteries, whoever has no part in them, never has a share of the same joys when he is dead below the dank gloom. When indeed the shining goddess taught them all these things, the goddesses went to Olympus to, to join the gathering of the other gods. There they dwell beside Zeus, who delights in thunder, holy and revered goddesses. Greatly blessed is he of men on earth whom they love freely. At once they send to his great house by the hearth, Plutos, who gives riches to mortal men. But come, you who hold the land of fragrant Ulysses and sea-girt Peros and rocky Antron, Queenly Dio, giver of gifts, bringer of seasons, you yourself and your daughter, beautiful Persephone, in return for my song, kindly grant me heart-pleasing livelihood, and I will remember you with another song. Okay, so I started that passage, and I realized, even as I started to read it, that just kind of the, the uh, couple of lines just um, before it, Hecate becomes Demeter's attendant. And I just thought that was important to note because Akate, of course, was the one, the only one who took compassion on her at the beginning. She recognizes people that helped her. She recognizes, understands reciprocity, and she pays them back in kind. This this situation where we have uh, a a gender conflict uh, between male and female, thanks to the agency of the mother goddess Rhea, who happens to be the mother of both Zeus and the mother of both Demeter, has. acted as a successful mediator between the two. Um, Demeter has managed to um, return uh, the, uh, I mean, Zeus has managed to return Persephone to Demeter, and uh, we're now in a resolution, mm-hmm. and you see that now it's a resolution and new roles and new honors uh, and for Demeter and her daughter, and this, this framework of gender conflict is something that you see in the uh, Hesiod's Theogony. It's also something you see in the Oresteia. Uh, and uh, as, just as the humanities are transformed, the Furies are transformed into the humanities, the meter here is enhanced and augmented and given a new 
new role, right? And the honors, and she's promised these these honors. And actually, I should just note as well that that Rhea doesn't usually get involved in myths. Uh-huh. She's um, she's a Titan goddess. I, we've talked about her in earlier podcasts. She's busy. Um, she's not a messenger goddess. No, um, but Nobody. she is Demeter, um, Demeter's mother, and she is Zeus's mother. Absolutely. Um, and so she is a logical a logical person here to uh, a logical person a logical character here to affect this this return. And, and so it, in addition... Oh. Well, I was just going to say, it says a lot about the hymn. It says a lot about the psychology of the hymn and this idea of the gender conflict that we're talking about. This is not... Your, you don't run to mum in a matriarchal society, right? Uh, in a patriarchal society, I mean, of the ancient Greeks. But here in this hymn, this, this story is primarily a female story. Mm-hmm. The Homeric Hymn to Demeter is, has the feminine aspect written all over it. Uh, and in this scene, you know, when you look at it and you see the utility and function of a goddess like, like Rhea, for example, you're, you're looking at it and you're saying, hmm, why? It's already out of place, but it works really well. And, I, it, and it works really well in this framework alone. And, I th- and you preface by what you, what you said by you don't really see a lot of her. Well, you don't because you don't, need to. You, it's, you don't get these types <laughs> yeah. of stories. Yeah. Right. This is unique in the corpus of Homeric hymns. This is a story about. This is a feminine voice about compassion. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, the male stories like Apollo and Hermes are about action and acquiring Timai. Right. But this one is different. These ones have a different focus. So, Rhea descends from Olympus. She comes down to the desolate earth, and she talks to Demeter and she says look child here's here's what you've been offered and Demeter um, does not disobey i.e. she she submits to Zeus she uh, recognizes um, Zeus's authority mm-hmm. here and so th- so this is also important in terms of the larger cosmogony that yeah. we have talked about in other episodes too that Zeus Zeus is still a relatively new ruler so to speak Mm -hmm. and he needs to make sure that everybody's going to honor and respect his rule and now finally he has brought Demeter under that and her honors at what cost (laughs) well no just a famine among the mortals nothing important Uh um and as her honors she chooses these mysteries and she reveals them and there's a couple of names which aren't that important but she re- reveals them to the Eleusinians and this is of course the Eleusinian mysteries which we have talked about before right it's a mystery cult mystery cult you get inducted into it you have Demeter to take care of you um, while you're above the earth and Persephone to take care of you in the underworld and I would also add to that that if the goddesses themselves Demeter and Persephone and that paradigm that you just mentioned are not able to handle the situation their husbands i.e. Zeus and Hades will be the ones that enforce mm-hmm. their dishonor they are just, powerfully just like, connected just like the way that Hades said I will I will punish anyone who does not propitiate you with proper uh, sacrifice yeah. or honor Zeus will do the same right mm-hmm. they can defer to the husband right now that that has been mended right and, and established um Yes, and uh, she, of course, lifts the famine. Um, And I was just uh, 
reading here in the footnotes of this particular edition. I know, okay. but I am just, <laughs> I, I just had something highlighted and it caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Um, is that there's a little bit, kind, I guess, of a bump in the story um, of whether or not um, there's, I guess, in, in there are some versions of this myth where Demeter gives the Eleus- the gift that she gives the Eleusinians is agriculture and um, in return for that, they give her the worship through the Eleusinian mysteries. But here, of course, in this version of the myth, they already had agriculture. We've already talked about how they were plowing and the seeds yep. weren't growing. Um, so she's not. Gi- so she is not, not giving, giving them, them a yeah. new gift of agriculture, but she is giving them these Eleusinian mysteries, this connection with the gods. And when you look at the gods, as we have looked at so far, none of them have this personal connection none of them try to forge a personal connection right. with mortals and to that point you'll see in the section that you read during the epiphany scene when she talks about that she herself will teach them her holy rites so you're not learning them from some hierophant or some other man that's teaching you how to act or how to walk or how to talk or how to dress or what to say and wh- where to walk or whatever mm-hmm. no you're learning them from the goddess your, themselves mm-hmm. right so this is a very again it stresses the personal connection you know there are other examples of the personal connection in other established cults you know but paulo is the one that comes to mind but here and with demeter this she taught them she established mm-hmm. the palace not palace but i mean the temple culture yeah right she she teaches them the Eleusinian rites they've learned it from the divine force and then she returns to Olympus, and our hymnist concludes with... Um, she hangs out on Earth, yeah. too, yeah. right? And... Um, you got the third, a third, a third? Yep. Right? You've got Persephone moving from the underworld to the world of, the, of, the, of mortals, and then into the Olympian sphere, into the divine realm, moving between these three well, states, keeping the cosmic pump moving, right? True, although it's not... It, Although it's not sp- uh, explicitly laid out as a third and a third and a third. It's mm-hmm. laid out in the hymn as mm-hmm. one third with Hades yes. and then two thirds with, with the mother and like above the earth. Sure. Yeah. Um, so they can do what they want. Yeah. So, yeah. Div- so I think the division of that um, is partly our desire to always have things in nice neat little threes. Well, it is, but, but in the Homeric but it's not tradition... In this, but Earth, I'm saying it's not explicitly in this source. Sure, but in the Homeric tradition, which is, this is the corpus of the Homeric hymns, the Earth is 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 common ground for all the yes. life forces, right? Yes. So the yes. sky, the waters, and the yes. underworld all have access yes. to, right? Yes. Um, so, yes, and then um, the, the hymnist concludes um, with a salutation to Demeter, queenly Dio. Um, and I think, you can correct me on this, but mm-hmm. um, I believe Dio is is a feminine version of the same group that Zeus? Zeus comes from, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Which Zeus and Zeus comes, um, Zeus is just God. God. Yeah, yeah, like it's not a, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we're have to get... Um We'll get our um, alliterative.com friends right. to, to, to look at So the gulf between gods and men is not <laughs> breached with Demophilon, right? With the loss of Demophilon. Instead, a new arrangement is established after death. Yes. Right? So, no, not all mortals will be transformed into gods, which was the grand no. picture plan. Didn't work. Gods will still be gods and mortals will still be mortals. But however, when we die, because we are mortals, when we are in the underworld, we will receive thanks if, to God, thanks to Demeter, 
if and her divine daughter, and our uh, and our introduction into the Eleusinian mysteries, right? Yeah. We will receive a blessed afterlife, which in the history of of religion on this planet is a relatively new idea, and especially amongst the Greeks, yes. right? Because to die in Greece it's in the archaic period is to yeah. just disappear and go into a and we talked about this with Pluto as well cave yeah place right? yeah and we talked about this with Pluto yeah. as well how over time Hades mm -hmm. as a place becomes more and more nuanced and refined it does and you get all these different kind of places it does. and stuff yeah. but I, Homeric hymns um, were dealing with the same time period yeah. as. You know, Homeric epic, so relatively early. And you know what I like, too, because it also draws out, or at least makes a connection to, in my mind, with the popularity in like the late Bronze Age and the Archaic period of, of a hero cults. Mm -hmm. Because the Chthonic realm, you know, which we, in the modern sense, look at as, you know, the boogeyman in the basement, right? In, in the Archaic, to the Archaic mind of the ancient, in ancient Greece, is the, is the place of, of hero cult, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a place where you can offer up prayers and receive assistance and you know the they're, you're more connected to heroes uh, than you are with gods right and, and, he, and so now the chthonic realm is opened up because those men right who those great men those demigods right who are down there well and right? not even just like the the <coughs> demigods but the founders of cities yeah. um like um Kilios and his family, yeah. whether or not there was really, you know, a historic Kilios and Metanera and Demathlon, mm -hmm. but the perceived or the believed founders yeah. of cities yeah. had cults and sure. shrines, mm -hmm. and there were cult there there were cults and shrines to Kilios and Metanera mm -hmm. and, and the daughters. And now she's going to yeah. act as an agent of communication yeah. between the two, yeah. right? To, to accept your offerings, to, to act as a conduit of communication and, and prayer, and so on. They can hear you now when you pray to them. Pray to them, right? right before they could not. So that's episode your wine 13. glass is empty. So I think it's time to put a wrap on this that's episode. Episode thirteen in the can. And uh, yeah, series have a bowl of cereal tomorrow. Thank Demeter for it. She will fill your belly and she will keep you alive. <laughs> you're immortal and you're alive, right? And thank God for it. Yeah. Right. All right. So um, I don't think we had any listener mail. We told you about our fancy new Facebook page. Nope. We're um, all clear. We're all clear. It's been a bit of a long episode, so we will leave you with that. And we will get back to you again in a few weeks with a new episode. Yeah. Do we know what that's going to be? When? For what? Yeah. No. And no. Oh. So, it's going to be a mystery episode. Double question mark getting floated <laughs> out. Mystery, we're done mystery, with our tour. Mystery, we're done mystery. with our tour. You never know what may <laughs> pop up. I'll tell you, it's going to be weird. Follow on, yeah. follow along on Facebook. Yeah, I'm gonna put something up yeah. there. It's gonna be weird. All right. Yeah. Find me on Twitter at Innes Allison. Find, find me on Twitter at Darren Sunstrom. Find us on Facebook at Myth Take, yeah. and have a good night. Good night. Good day.